Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillahi alayhi dhati azim sifati samid simati kabir shan Jalil al-Qadir al-Rafi'i al-Dhikri muta'il amri jalil burhan Fakhim al-Ismi ghazil ilmi wasil hilmi kathil al-Ghufran Jamil al-Thanai jazil atai mjib al-Dua'i amim al-Ihsan سريل حساب شديد العقاب أليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصد ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخير الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحد الله فإن توحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن تقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الإطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم والبدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين وادعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والذين هم على صلواتهم يحافظون أولئك هم الوارثون الذين يرثون الفردوس هم فيها خالدون We find ourselves for many people where Whenever this time of the year approaches, life becomes busy once again. Things start to return back to the normal schedule that we are accustomed to throughout the year. Especially for people with children, their kids are going back to school, college students going back to school. And obviously here, a lot of the folks that are here for Jumu'ah today are students or families of the students that are studying here at the seminary and once again we're at the precipice of beginning the academic year but overall even for people who they themselves might not be in school or might not have children uh going to school there still is this general kind of tone in the culture in the society that in the summertime there is a little bit of a different pace than there is throughout the rest of the year and whenever we come back to more of the daily weekly grind when things are moving at a more faster quicker pace 
and things are a little more intense day to day, week to week. The very first thing that we struggle with is our spirituality, our connection, our relationship to Allah. That when people had some time off or people worked from home for an extended period of time where they were traveling with their families, there's this feeling of spiritual being spiritually uplifted. Because I was praying on time. And I was reciting some Qur'an every day. We were praying together. And now that I'm back into the grind of it, where I'm rushing off to work every morning and I'm working till late and answering emails all throughout the day. And even on the weekend, I'm getting calls and emails that our spirituality begins to suffer. And that factors into a larger question that we are constantly struggling with, regardless of the situation, the circumstance, is always trying to find some kind of meaning and purpose and direction within our lives. That is something The human being struggles. And it's in the nature of the human being to struggle. That's what defines the life of this world. That the human being is, always feels very nervous and finicky. The human being, Allah says, has been created with this nervous energy. Something bad happens and the human being freaks out. Something good happens and then the human being wants to hoard and grab as much as he or she can. So there is this constant struggle that we have. And the primary part of that struggle is finding that direction, that guidance, that purpose in life. And it's... it's feels like a really big problem. It sounds like a really big issue. And therefore, we assume that the solution is probably something very, very complicated. But as is often the case, as Allah reminds us in the Quran time and time again, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fitratullahi lati fataran alayha. Allah created us with an intuition, a disposition, a natural orientation that will always bring us and lead us back to Him. The Prophet is explaining to us that this religion is a lot more practical than you realize. And that people are willing to acknowledge that even the learning of this deen and this religion, as intimidating, as daunting as it may be, as probably a lot of the students are right now internally experiencing, Allah is reminding us not once but multiple times in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْمِ مُدَّكِنَ That Allah has actually made this very practical and Allah has facilitated this. So this question of spirituality, how do I find direction in my life? How do I live my life meaningfully and with purpose? There's a, again, not to say something too audacious, but to directly refer to what Allah is telling us in the Qur'an, there is a simple solution. And that simple solution, as the Hadith Qudsi mentioned in Sahih Bukhari mentions, that my servant does not come closer to me by means of anything more so than he does by what I have mandated upon him. Meaning the thing that I have obligated upon my servant, Allah is saying, through the Prophet ﷺ, that is the thing that brings him closest to me. It's not something fantastical. It's not something really remarkable or extraordinary or superhuman. 
It's the very basic fundamental thing Allah is saying that Allah has obligated upon us. That is the thing that is most powerful and effective and impactful in terms of bringing us closer to Him. And that is the five times daily prayer. And that's why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this remarkable, profound proclamation in the Quran, قَدْ أَفْلَحَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ That success has already been achieved, has already been attained by the believers, which is a very powerful statement because it makes you think. They already achieved the goal and the objective. So how did they go about in doing that? Allah lists their qualities to us which we talked about here a few weeks back. But at the, at the beginning of it, and at the, particularly at the end of that list, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَوَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِذُونَ That they are those people who, when it comes to their prayers, يُحَافِذُونَ They are constantly Mindful, they are constantly taking care of them. They are constantly involved in the effort of preserving those prayers, safeguarding them. Al-Muhafadah. And to explain this word for a moment, because Allah uses this word multiple places. He uses it here in Surah Al-Mu'minun, in Surah Al-Ma'arij, Allah talks about the same concept. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it in Surah Al-Baqarah. What does that word mean? It comes from the root word hifad, which means to safeguard, to protect something, to watch something, to protect something, take care of something. And that's why it's the word that is also used for memorizing something. Like Hifzul Qur'an. Because you are protecting it and taking care of it. But then that word, that basic word Hifz, is then evolved into its more sophisticated form. It's taken to a more sophisticated form, Muhafadah. And when you take it to that particular form, it adds meaning. Kathratul bina. That when you increase, the Arabic language is very structured and very um, beautiful in this way. That when you literally grow a word, when you make a word bigger, you make the meaning bigger. You add something to the meaning of it. So it no longer means to just watch something or protect something. But muhafadah, it means to very, very diligently almost obsessively protect something. And that's where I choose the word to safeguard something. To constantly watch over something. To guard something utilizing whatever resources you have available. And so the difference would be in terms of just putting something up on a shelf, you picked it up off the floor, you put it on the shelf. So that nobody would step on it or crush it or break it. And then there is putting something inside of a safe. And that room has a security camera, a security feed. And you need a passcode to get into that room. So there's a code on the door. There's a security camera in the corner 24-7 being monitored. And then the item is inside of a safe inside of that room. That's muhafadah. 
like you would do with a diamond or a jewel or, you know, some, something very, very valuable or expensive. And that's the analogy that Allah is employing. That is the imagery. Right? At-ta'abiru al-taswiri fil Qur'an. Right? The Qur'an is very eloquent in that way where it invokes this word that has this whole mental image behind it. And that's why what you, al-fannu taswiri that's why what you're supposed to do is to try to, that's why we have reflecting upon the Qur'an. At-tadabbur, that's what tadabbur is, is that you stop and you pause and then you process it and then you draw that picture in your head and then you understand what Allah is talking about. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the salah is the most valuable, precious, important asset, commodity that you possess, that you own. So if you were an individual, the most valuable thing that you possess, how would you go about in protecting it? If you were a business or a corporation, and the most valuable asset that you have, intellectual property that you possess, how would you go about in preserving it and protecting it and safeguarding it? Think about the amount of resources you would allocate to that. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about the prayer. Now the second thing in regards to this prayer, because we understand the significance and the importance here, the second thing I wanted to emphasize here is that, that there is the concept, the idea of preserving and protecting this prayer. But then what that necessitates that we also talk about, and these are not even basics, these are more basic than basic. But still this reminder is beneficial to the believer as Allah tells us. And having practical conversations about these basics is very, very helpful. And that is that the five, the, the, the prayer itself is distributed into five prayers throughout the day and night. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us another foundational verse about the salah is in the salata from waqt, that it has fixed timings. It has windows of time. From 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or from, And this is all, of course, based off of, you know, the, 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 the different times of the day and the night and the sun and the, the stars and so on and so forth. But we have calendars that help us keep track of that. But as an example, Fajr time, you have an hour to pray. Zohar time, you have three or four hours to pray. Asr time, you have a couple of hours and so on and so forth. So when I say fixed times, it's not exactly one precise fixed minute that it must begin. There is a window of time, but still there is, there are these times when we have to offer those prayers. And it's distributed throughout. And there's a very, once again, simple question that many might not have, but it is still a beneficial question to think about and to process. And that question is that, what are some of the wisdoms and some of the benefits in distributing the prayer throughout the day? That if we really think one of the goals and the objectives that Allah gives us of prayer in the Quran is that they are focused and dedicated and devout and humbled and mindful within their prayer. 
And this mindfulness, this commitment, this devotion within the prayer is something that is very, very important and something that we are all constantly striving for and struggling with. And I'll speak for myself and it might be different for different people, but I've thought about this that when I sit down to do something, and I'm able to really invest some time into it and kind of, you know, get your wheels turning and really get into the groove and the flow of something. About three minutes, five minutes into something, I really get into it. And then I can stay there for a good 30, 40 minutes, an hour, two hours. I can stay in that zone before then disengaging. But I personally will struggle to really get into something like in 30 seconds and 60 seconds. And then by the time I'm kind of warmed up, three, four, five minutes in, it's already over. So I almost feel like I didn't really kind of get to my peak and my pinnacle of focus when doing that thing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala distributed the prayer throughout the day. Even if we're talking about it practically, because I know that, mashallah, there's probably some, you know, Hassan Basris here, all right, who take like 30 minutes to pray like Dhuhr, okay? But for the practical person, right, for the person who's not quite Hassan Basri status yet, like myself, you know, five minutes. You need five minutes to take care of your prayer. Five minutes, five times throughout the day. So I feel like I never got fully into the zone. But that's what Allah mandated. That is the wisdom. That is the hikmah. Why not 30, t- 30 minutes all at one point in the day? No, but five minutes spread out throughout the day. And there's so much wisdom, so much. The ulama, the scholars have written on this. From Imam Ghazali to Ibn Al-Qayyim, they, Ibn Kathir, Imam Al-Razi in his tafsir, they all expand on this so beautifully. And there are many, many things. And one of the things that they talk about this is that one of the blessings and the benefits of it is that it is a very intuitive, natural, spiritual system of organizing your day. And so we started off by saying that life gets busy and things are moving 100 miles per hour and I feel like I'm starting to struggle and I'm losing kind of grasp of reality and I'm losing connection with my spirituality. My relationship, my connection to Allah is getting weaker and now look at the wisdom of the Salah. To completely halt. That's why Salah is a very unique act of worship. When you're fasting, you can talk. You can talk, you can go to the restroom, you can have a conversation, you can go to work, you can take a nap while you're fasting, of course. When you're doing tawaf, and there's actually a weaker narration that even likens tawaf to salah, but when you're doing tawaf, you can talk. When you're doing tawaf, you can take a drink of water. When you're doing tawaf, you can kind of take a break and sit down if you need to. If you're elderly, you have an injury, you can sit down for a moment. You can take a pause. But when you're performing salah, when you're praying, you cannot speak. You cannot eat or drink. You can't even completely turn your body around and move over to the side. Too much movement, too much steps, you're no longer praying. So salah is so restrictive because salah is meant to completely separate you. And to use a very strong word, and I apologize for using this strong word, but it 
it will illustrate the effect of salah. Salah is to completely divorce you from reality. Now that doesn't sound like a very positive thing. We want people to be rooted in reality. No, 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 no. But not for five minutes, five times a day. No, separate from reality. Why? As-salatu mi'raj al-mu'min. You exist above and beyond reality. You connect to something that is beyond this feeble, weak, you know, horrible human reality. You connect to Allah. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ in authentic narration says, it is the ascension. You, you leave this realm. You go to a higher place. You connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the ascension, the mi'raj of the mu'min, of the believer. Where you are in communion with Allah. Al-munajat ma'ar rabb. You are talking to God. You are talking to Allah. What's remarkable is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that all of the creation remembers and glorifies and praises Allah. But the human being is the one that talks to Allah. They just simply praise Allah. And they can, you know, witness and observe the greatness of Allah. But this human being is the one who talks to Allah. And so that naturally gives a structure to our day. And so salah is, practically speaking, something that we all struggle with. But salah is also the one thing in a lot of different areas, I'll be the first to stand here and say, well, fihi majal wa fihi kalam, there's some room here, there's some discussion there, there's some compromise here, there's some discussion here, but we all have to accept and we all have to understand and we all have to comply with the fact that there is no compromise, there is no room for discussion, there is no flexibility when it comes to our salah. That is something that is fixed, that is something that is mandated, that is something that is expected, that is something that is required. The very first thing, once they are separated into believers and disbelievers, the believers, the very first thing that they are asked about on the day of resurrection, on the day of judgment is salah. If that conversation goes okay, then we can continue the conversation and it will probably go pretty well. That if that conversation does not go well, we're not even going to bother to talk about anything else. Because everything else probably is in trouble as well. And that's heavy. And that's a little bit scary. But it's so important for us to understand and realize it, here and now. And the opportunity to be able to turn that corner and to start implementing our salah, which we will have the opportunity to do in just a couple of hours. Because just in a couple of hours after we leave here, hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-farah. It'll be time for salat al-asr. And I get to make that choice at that moment. I get to decide in that moment if I am going to turn things around or I'm just going to keep on sliding downward. That's how, that's, how, that's how gracious, that's how kind, that's how generous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. That He's giving us that opportunity 
even just after a couple of more hours where I can make a decision in that moment to completely leave the past in the past, the mistakes in the past, just completely wipe my hands clean of it and be able to start fresh and move forward. And that's exactly the analogy the Prophet ﷺ gives us in a very beautiful narration found in Bukhari and Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ, he asked the Sahaba radiallahu anhum that, or in Hal Baqiyah, the Prophet ﷺ said that, أَرَأَيْتُمْ لَوْ أَنَّ نَهْرًا بِبَابِ أَحَدِكُمْ يَغْتَسِلُ فِيهِ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ خَمْسَ مَرَّاتٍ هَلْ بَقِيَ مِنْ دَرَنِهِ شَيْءٌ The Prophet ﷺ asked the Sahaba that if there was a stream, there was a stream, and the, the analogy of the stream is very apt because it's moving water, not still, stale, stinky water. No, no, no. It is moving water, clean water, a stream. That if it was right outside your door and somebody went out there and bathed in it five times a day, would there be any filth remaining on that person's body? They said, O Messenger of Allah, no filth would remain on that person's body. That is exactly the example of the five times daily prayer. That it will completely wipe away a person's sins from them. In al hasanat, yudhibna sayyat. Allah gives us this, this this axiom within the Quran that good deeds remove and eradicate sins and mistakes and evil. And that's a, the next point I wanted to make, but I'll make this very quickly. And that is, there's another struggle that particularly, you know. Um, Something that we all experience and we understand, and that is, as we are living our lives outside, we go out into the world, we have to go to work, we have to interact with people, we have to conduct business, we have all kinds of different interactions. There's a lot of times violations of our spirituality that occur. There are compromises in terms of our faith that we feel like we are making. And it weighs heavy on our soul. It weighs very heavy on our consciousness. But Allah is reminding us, the Prophet is teaching us that again, the beauty of salah is that I was just in a social setting due to work that I did not like being in. And I did not want to be in. And if I was able to choose, I would not have chosen to be there. But I found myself between a rock and a hard place. A very common sentiment everyone experiences. Guess what happens 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes later? And that is again just swimming through that stream, bathing in that stream and coming out the other side four or five minutes later. Purged and purified, cleansed. And this is not some kind of gimmicky you know, motivational tactic that I'm employing, this is what Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu are saying. So Salah, unfortunately, a lot of times in the day and age that we live in, the age of information, Salah seems to be a very simple topic. 
that we feel is really basic or played out. But Allah in the Quran and the Prophet are reminding us about how central, how important, how essential, how beautiful and beneficial it is to not only our spiritual peace and tranquility in this life, the hayat al-tayyibah that we're all seeking out, the sakina that we all crave, but also our eternal salvation life of the hereafter. بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ازواجه وذريته اللهم عز الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم احسن عاقبتنا في الامور كلها واجنا من خزي الدنيا وعذاب الاخره اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وصلى الله تعالى على نبي الكريم قال الله تعالى ان الله يأمر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون اقيموا الصلاه